Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Hey everyone, welcome to Kill Me Now with Judy Gold. I am your host, Judy Gold. I'm Jewish. This week on Kill Me Now, I'm so excited because Jocelyn Chia, if you haven't been following the news, because there's so much other stupid fucking news, but um, she, the, a joke was posted. You're going to hear all about it during the interview, but she she posted a joke on Instagram and now she is from Singapore and now they are, they want to arrest her for this bit that she did. And this is right up my alley, as you know, because I wrote a book. Yes, I can say that when they come for the comedians, we're all in trouble. Uh, all about this. And I did a show called Yes, I Can Say That off Broadway, which was a very big hit. And uh, so I am so excited. We talk all about her history. It's fascinating because she, although born here in the United States, grew up in Singapore. And just it's such a great conversation. So you're going to it's part one and part two. Today is part one or this week is part one. You're going to fucking love it. I'm telling you right now. Now, um, I just wanted to say a couple things before we play the interview. Number one, the fucking submarine. These, like, seriously, you're going to get on a submarine when they're steering it using a PlayStation. The submarine was being steered using a... Is being steered correct grammar? Okay, well... It, it was, uh, the steering device was a PlayStation uh, controller. Okay, I have one, I have several in my house for my young children who are not young anymore. And it's fucking ridiculous. The, the fact that these people just think they, that their money makes them invincible. And now that 19-year-old kid and his father and the 19-year-old kid didn't want to go on it and uh, the father was like, oh, come on, because, you know, he's fucking rich. So really, it, I mean, you're going you're going underwater to see a, a ship that went underwater using a PlayStation fucking controller. All right. I can't. So that's that's what happened. But of course, all these migrants are missing hundreds of them. They were on a boat, but no one gives a shit about them because they're not rich, you know, billionaire men who have a little, oh, this is my hobby. You know, it's my hobby. Okay, so that's that. Um, I just wanted to say that. I also wanted to say happy pride. Elisa and I went to this really great reading of Alison Bechtel's Dykes to Watch Out For, and it was fucking great. 
and we had such a good time. Uh, directed by Lee Silverman. Lisa Crone was the narrator. There were so many great stars. Amber Ruffin was in it. Oh, she's not Jewish, but whatever. I just felt like doing that. Carrie Brownstein. I mean, it was just like, it was amazing. Okay, so we did that for Pride. We're now, I'm now in Provincetown working. And I just also wanted to mention that I can't stand Robert F. Kennedy Jr. or whatever. Is, if, if, is it F? No, he's not. Is he an F? Yeah. Oh, it is for, oh, did you hear Elisa? She's in the background. Uh, so Robert F. Kennedy, I can't stand him. He's a fucking anti-vaxxer. Now, you know, he's on, I hate Twitter. I'm done with Twitter. I know I say that, but I, I really can't stand it. It's so fucking negative. I have enough negativity. Like, I can't. And then they're just, there's, now he has videos of him doing push-ups. Oh, because I really, I vote according to how many fucking push-ups you can do. That's what I do. I'm like, oh, you can do more push-ups than Joe Biden? Okay. He's an anti-vaxxer. He's, you know, in bed with Elon Musk and Steve Bannon and Roger Stone. Fuck him. Do not. He's an asshole. Okay? Okay, so that's that. That was annoying me. There was one other thing that was annoying me. Well, I did love that um, Marjorie Taylor Greene called Lauren Bocunt a little bitch. I love that, that they're doing, you know, impeachment hearing. Well, they're trying to do an impeachment hearing against Biden for being a president. Hunter Biden, by the way, paid his back taxes and pleaded guilty to having a gun when he wasn't supposed to because he was uh, using drugs. But he pleaded guilty and his father loves him. And these motherfuckers are like, I mean, look at your fucking kids, Donnie. Look at them. Jared and Ivanka have billions of dollars from the, you know, using the, their, I hate them. Donald Jr. is obviously a cokehead, allegedly. I don't want to get in trouble, but hello. They stole money from the from the Trump charity like shut the fuck up I can't, what is going on I can't it's just gonna make me crazy okay so I don't know I, I I guess that's my opening do I have anything there was one other thing that annoyed me Elise is here with a fan a gay fan a pride fan that we got in um Israel it has Hebrew on it and it's hot today yeah it's hot today listen the other thing is Okay, Pride, it's too long. It's like, oh, I'm done. Okay, I'm very proud. Pride, pride, pride. But it's, I, I feel like I have to go to every event and I have to be proud. And yeah, I might get a pair of Pride sneakers because they're going to go on sale. Anyway, um, so that's it. That's all I have to say. You know why I'm stalling right now? Because there's one thing, something else that I wanted to talk to you about and I can't fucking remember what it is. Okay. Oh, yes. I did want to say this whole thing in Ukraine with, uh, I mean, in Russia, in Russia with the Wagner, Wagner, all I'm thinking about is Wagner, the composer, and Tristan and Isolde, like that opera. That's all. Every time they're like, and Wagner, I'm like, oh, he came in with a piano and an orchestra and he's going to take over. He's going to take over conducting Russia. Okay. That's, that was my other thing. Apparently not that funny because- Elisa had no reaction to it. Anyway, but 
it's time. It's time for you to listen to part one of my amazing interview with Jocelyn Chia. You are going to fucking love it. I'm not telling you. I'm telling you. It's like really fascinating. So you sit back, you relax, and you enjoy part one of my interview with Jocelyn Chia. Okay, everybody. Welcome to Kill Me Now with Judy Gold. I am so excited. You know, I I usually plan my guests out way in advance. And you know that I'm a free speech advocate. I wrote a book about free speech and comedy that you should all get if you haven't fucking gotten it. But this incredibly accomplished woman's story and very funny stand-up comedian uh, who's been in the news lately, I'm getting her while this issue is hot. And I'm just so thrilled to talk to her because she exemplifies exactly what I have talked about in my book and on my show and ladies and gentlemen and gentlemen, what the fuck was that? <laughs> ladies, gentlemen, and they, thems. That's what I say now, Jocelyn. Jocelyn, oh. Shia is here. Woo. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Now, Jocelyn, Hello, you're everybody. fucking, first of all, you're hilarious. Oh, thank you, Judy. You well, are too. Thank you. It's, I've been doing this for 40 fucking years, Jocelyn. 40. I started when I was 19. I'm 60. So like I'm taking a year off for the times I didn't perform. But anyway, Jocelyn uh, is a very funny, well, she's an extremely accomplished person. You're extremely accomplished, but you um, are now in the news and I'm talking about international news because of a joke you told uh, that you've been telling for years. And, you know, we all post we all post on on the Instagram and the TikTok because, unfortunately, we have to in order to get people to come see us. It's now the whole the whole game has changed in stand up, where we used to go on the road and there was no social media. No, and I talk about this a lot on the podcast. Nothing. There was nothing except that hour you got on stage at night and you just prepared all day for that. And everyone that came to the show saw the material. And that was it. So, but now with the the with social media and cancel culture, we have one of the most incredible uh, stories. Now, I want I always like to talk about people's childhoods, and I just want to say you grew up in Singapore. Your father's right. was a is an engineer. Study engineering now. Oh uh, well, you know I do this research. Because he's yeah. cool like that. But you're right. You went to MIT, so I understand yeah. why you thought he was MIT. an engineer. So there we get the genes right there, the fucking brilliant genes. Your, your brother's an engineer. Is that correct? Nobody. Oh, God. The, I read this whole fucking bio of you. That is, that's probably all wrong. Okay. Was it created by Chad GPT? Because my dad has been experimenting with what Chad GPT would say about no me. No way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, like he he got Chad GPT to write a poem no about way. me. It was quite funny. Was yeah, I want to hear, hear the it. poem. <laughs> I want to hear the poem. Okay, here's the poem about Jocelyn Chia created by Chad GPT. Jocelyn Chia, a funny lady with a mic, making crowds laugh with her comedic might. From Singapore to New York City, she's quite the sight. Her humor is sharp as a surgeon's knife. A law graduate turned comedian, leaving law to pursue her dream of fun, entertaining people with her quick wit on demand. Jocelyn Chia, a name to remember. That's a little, that one's yeah, a little that one's <laughs> She's a woman breaking barriers, a leader in the industry, a true trailblazer. Through laughter, she'll break, break down all the walls. All right, maybe just the first stanza was Yeah, good. I know. Then it got, <laughs> we, the, got, we lost it. But it's all true, Jocelyn. It's all true. 
But yeah, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. It's all true. It didn't say my dad's an engineer. So. Okay, look, this is what I got. Now, did you go to Raffles <laughs> Girl School in Singapore? No, is that yeah. what you saw? Raffles Girl School. That's hilarious. I mean, it's the number one girls school in the country so i could see why whatever wonky (laughs) news site came out wait here's Uh, more here's more you were involved in debate drama and choir yeah wait this is a good one you swam you were a swimmer for the country you you were a national swimmer Oh, there's a Jocelyn Yeo. There's another Jocelyn who was more famous than me at the time now i'm more famous than her and everyone will make Jocelyn Yeo jokes about me but that's hilarious that the uh, attribute of her prowess to me. So can you just talk about, you live in America now. You live in the United States. Yes, and I was born here. You were born here. Um, you went, you had double citizenship. Um, but you did go to Singapore. You spent time in Singapore. Can you just tell a little bit about the difference in sort of education and culture Singapore versus what you see in the United States? Yes, I'll do my best. So Singapore, much more orderly and controlled and rigid. So for example, we wore school uniforms, right? right? In high school, don't you have... You, you can wear, wear whatever if, you unless want. Unless you go to a parochial America. school. Yeah, or a private school. Yeah. Right, yeah. So we all wore uniforms. There was no, the only... There are no Singapore schools that you could wear your own clothes. Maybe the American schools, you could wear something else. But like the Singapore schools, you all had uniforms um, until you went to college. So anything before college, you had to wear a uniform. And you're not encouraged to speak up in class. So this was a big cultural shock. Yeah, when I came to America for college... And now all of a sudden you get participation points for speaking up in class. In Singapore, you got scolded for talking in class, right? Um, and there's a saying in Chinese that the head that sticks out gets executed. Wow. So you don't really try to stick mm-hmm. out in Singapore culture. You you try to toe the party line and blend in. Um, I guess you could stick out you know, academically or in sports, right. but... Generally speaking, there, there is a sentiment that you don't want to stand out too much. I was considered extremely naughty, extremely of rebellious course. in high school. But I was like a model student in America. I was a teaching assistant twice, outstanding major award, Phi Beta Kappa, Magna Cum Laude. Like professors love me. I have professors from college reaching out to me, like expressing their support right. for me. <laughs> What's happening right now? So yeah, I was like a naughty, naughty student in Singapore, but only as far as my all-girls school was concerned. When I went to a co-ed school afterwards, I was all-girls school until 16, and then two years of co-ed. In the co-ed school, once the boys were there, I was no longer considered a right. naughty student because the boys were naughtier than me. In, do you, in a boys' school, did your brother have the same experience as, as, were they encouraged to speak out, or was it just women who were or girls who were not encouraged to speak out, or was it everyone? Oh, that's a very good question. That I don't know um, because I don't know what my right. brother's experience was like in high school. I left for America before he even went to when he was right. eight years old. But yeah, it's a yeah. fascinating question. I'm not sure. But, but for me personally, because I went to an all-girls school for for um, da, 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 11 years or so, and I didn't have boys to worry right. about, to even think about, I'm pretty outspoken because I didn't think, oh, our boys aren't going to like me. Right, you don't too care. Smart. Our boys 
I don't care. Exactly. Yeah. And so I, I was always nominated in my class to do things like be in the debate right. team or be in the drama or be the editor of the, the school newsletter. So they would nominate me for these kind of things that that would be given to people more who are outspoken, more outspoken. And, and fearless, really. And fearless. That's a good point. Yeah, fearless. Um, mm. It's so interesting because when you say that, when you say that you didn't have the boys to worry about, you didn't, you know, there was no competition there or... I have to be cute and act feminine. Right. It it made yeah. me think, you know, that's when I started doing stand up, I had the same experience because I was gay. And I mm-hmm. would I was like one of the guys because I really didn't care if they liked me. I just wanted yeah. to be a great comic. And I think I gained the respect of them because I was just working and not flirting and not, not that's not to say that every female comic did that, but I really was not concerned at all. And I think that, you know, you make such a good point about, you know, you're the, you're the sort of outcast being this fearless, outspoken, intelligent. Did any of your teachers growing up embrace that? And I also wanted to know, were they all women teachers? They were almost all women teachers. To your point about stand-up, um, before I go there is... Um, sorry, I'm in a hotel now and the phone's ringing. Um, so when I started comedy, because I had this mentality for so long of like, I'm equal right. to men, right? I was not told in my growing up years that, oh, girls have to be this way, boys have to be this way, because boys weren't in even right. the equation. And so I've never f- perceived myself as discriminated against in comedy. I, I don't think I'm like... Oh, I, I don't get these opportunities because I, I'm I felt a woman. the same I don't way. Get yeah, yeah, yeah. If I don't get something, I'll blame it on my lack of talent or skill, and now I'll so, work on getting better. That's so interesting because I always felt like that. I do now that I've been in the business so long. Look back and realize, yeah, we weren't weren't given the opportunities, and we never got to work together. Totally. And that, but I never played that card. Never. And exactly. even now, when people oh, we'll talk about my what's happening. Oh, I can't. Later. You're just. I love you. Hey, everyone, you know, one of my favorite things in life, if not my most favorite thing in life, which, yeah, it's arguably my most favorite thing in life besides my kids, and is food and eating. Eating is my favorite activity. And eating is better and easier with Factor. Factor, I'm telling you, I tried their stuff. It is delicious. It is great. It is high quality and they are, when I say ready to eat meals, they're ready to eat in two minutes. They're not frozen. They're never frozen. They're chef crafted, dietitian approved, and literally you heat them for two minutes. Every week you have over 35 options to choose from. They have calorie smart, protein plus, keto. I just did chef's choice. 60 or more add-ons that you can stay fueled up. They had these juice shots that were incredible. These are restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat when you are ready to eat. That's it. And they're really good. Elisa loved them too. There's no prep. There's no mess. I've tried a lot of these different kinds of meals. Factor is amazing and so convenient. It's so great to get home from a long day of like schlepping around and knowing you have this delicious meal waiting for you in the refrigerator that takes two minutes to heat up. 
and you can pause, you can reschedule your deliveries at any time. It is a great solution for those nights and days that you're looking for fast, great, delicious options with no cooking required, okay? And Factor is less expensive than takeout. So what are you going to do? Because I'm telling you, you have to believe me, I never lie, Factor is amazing. You're going to head to Factormeals, F-A-C-T-O-R-M-E-A-L-S dot com slash Judy Gold 50, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, five zero, okay? Judy Gold 50. And use code J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D 50, Judy Gold 50, to get 50% off. That's code Judy Gold 50 at factormeals.com slash Judy Gold 50 and get 50% off. It's worth it. You're welcome. You become an attorney and you work as, so you grow up and you speak Mandarin and English. And do you speak anything else? I speak French too. Fuck you. <laughs> you see? This is what I've been trying to tell the Asians. We say fuck you all the fucking time, and it's funny. You saw my clip, and I was like, fuck you, and they oh got my so God, upset. Because the fuck you. Really That's them. the problem. It's like you come to America, and fuck you just means, oh, shut up. Oh, show off. Oh, go, exactly. you know. And it's sort of a, it's a compliment in a way when you're like, okay, great, go fuck yourself. Like, because, but they don't get that. But we'll get to that, but- what do you think made you excel academically? I mean, because there's so many smart people, you know, who are outspoken and are sort of oppositional. Like, I don't have to do this fucking work. I'm smarter than this. What made you really focus on being the best academically? Yeah, because of, I think growing up in Asia, you, you are kind of told that excelling academically is the way to success, right? So the, the Mark Zuckerbergs of America and the Bill Gates who just like, right. I don't need academics, I can do my own thing. That doesn't, there, there were no stories right. like that in Asia. So I just thought there was just this one path. So of course I focused my, my brains on doing well in this academic path. Did, when you got to the United States... Was it like a culture shock? I mean, you said that, yes, you were speaking up. They were like, I mean, the very beginning when you first were like, wait a minute, I can talk like what was it really? No. Did it take getting used to and did it change you? 100%. So when I first came to the States, I was getting I was getting penalized for not speaking up in class. I was like, right. what? For being a good right. student and like being quiet and listening to the teacher and like just absorbing everything, I'm now getting a B. That is just for not talking. Just for not talking. Yeah, ten percent. You're ten percent of your grade for all of these classes were participation points. So I actually had to bring it up to. I guess maybe there's the the part of me that does speak out when when I perceive something is a little unjust. So. I, I did bring it up to the department. I was like, hey, you know, maybe you guys need to take into account cultural differences and, and maybe Good. give people countries like mine some time to catch up. I'm not saying like have us not a, come to, a, abide to your standard, like because this is America, because we should come abide to your standard. But maybe we can like show progress over time. Right. Like, okay, in the beginning, quieter. Um, and they actually had a whole department meeting to discuss. I my love point. that. I was pretty impressed. 
right? Like they allowed for open discourse. They discussed my point. They took into consideration. In the end, they decided it was too difficult to do that. They had to have things standardized. But I was really appreciative that they still right. took into consideration my my uh, concerns. And then, so then I was on me to step it up. So I like always raise my right, hand. Right. Always and then talk. everyone hates you. Yeah, cause, cause, right. Because then they're all like, Justin, shut up. Okay. <laughs> That's so great. That Do you think that sort of, that would have happened in Asia? Do you think that they would have had a meeting or just been like, shut the fuck up? I highly yeah. doubt they would have had a meeting. I mean, maybe things have changed, you know, like this was a, a while I went to school in Asia in the nineties. So I, I think maybe Singapore at least, which, which prides itself on being a more Westernized right. country might actually have changed somewhat but at the time that I was in school definitely not I was I was so naughty in school I remember my classmates who would go to the teacher's room that's where the teachers would, would um, yeah. hang out in between classes and there was one day where she saw all the teachers surrounding one teacher and that teacher was going uh, pointing to a photo of me this is Justin Chiao. And the audience was like oh <laughs> and my sister who's younger than me yeah she <laughs> My sister will get um will get the the blowback from right, being my right. sister with where teachers right. knew she was a naughty kid just because she was right, my right. sister. Did your parents ever get called in like, listen, you got to control your kid or? Yeah, my dad did have to get called in at least one time. That, <laughs> that the, the one time that I do remember, he did have to oh come God, in. <laughs> I got I got in so much trouble during school, all the time for this just. Just wow. for being funny, you know, or just imitating the teacher mm-hmm. or whatever. It was just, but not for being the biggest brain in the in the class. Okay. So you then decide to become a lawyer. How did you get, get what made you want to become a lawyer or study law? Uh, that one was more, well, my aunt and uncle are lawyers um, and... I, I hadn't really excused, but I did apply to law school. So, so for college, I was choosing between America or going to London to study right. law because law is an under degree in the British system. Um, but I was like, oh, do I really want to study law for my undergraduate years? Or I don't want to come to America and study the liberal right. arts. We can study about philosophy, astrology, anything you want. I was like, that sounded so much more intellectually exciting to me. So I chose America, but I guess law is always in the background, right? The fact that I had already applied to right. law school as an undergrad. Um, and then when I graduated from college, I was doing this entry level job. I was like, wow, this is like mind numbing. I'm getting dumber right. by the day. And I was looking at other jobs, but I saw that you needed a graduate degree. I mean, unless you went to an Ivy League school, you needed a graduate degree to like really get a more interesting right. job. Um, so I was looking at a couple of things. It was either psychology to study, to become a psychologist or international relations to go into international relations. Now with this current story, I'm like, yeah, I did not have a career in diplomacy <laughs> at all. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. And then the third option was law, you know, with my, my outspokenness and proficiency and the debating, with the, the language. Yeah. The debating, right? A little bit of an argumentative nature, um, intelligence. So I was in Washington, D.C. at the time, and Georgetown Law was like one of the best Duh, laws yeah. in the country. Yeah, I was like, oh, let's just apply to Georgetown Law and see what happens. Right, and get right in. And just get I right love in. you. I love how you didn't say fuck you this time, but yes. you see, fuck you. Yeah, and I love go you. fuck I like yourself. Okay, so you get into Georgetown Law and you become a corporate lawyer. I did. Yeah. Mergers and acquisitions, um, private equity, and capital markets. And how, okay. I'm going to tell you a story. I have 
my, right. just because I'm going to preface my question with this story. So my, my dentist is this incredible, she's incredible, but she went to Harvard Law School and she was in Barack and Michelle Obama's class. She, wow, and she also cool. went to their church. She's African-American, but she's, but that doesn't really matter. But I'm just saying she went to law school at, at mm-hmm. Harvard and became a corporate lawyer and was dead inside. She became dead inside. Mm-hmm. She's like, I'm not helping anyone. I'm not, I don't feel like. Yeah. And then her, I think her father was a dentist and she went to NYU and, and became a dentist. And now she's a dentist and she's happy. But I wonder, did you, did you have any of those kinds of feelings when you were doing this sort of rich people law and corporate law? Yes. I mean, definitely there was a sense of, wow, I'm just like, my, all my efforts are going into making some company richer and right? reaching the bottom line of some company and I guess it's shareholders. But also, Judy, there were many a times when I'll, I would be like, I just wish I could just get hit by right. a bus and be in the hospital for just two to months rest. so I can just lie down for two months. And I remember because I had a secretary, I, you know, we had secretaries helping us. So every every time it hit 5.30, all the secretaries would get leave, up and right. leave. And I was like, I would just love to be a secretary. You could just leave at 5.30. Um, you know, my day had right. just begun. Like 5.30 p.m. was still like right. early. I would have to wait at least another five, six, maybe even 12 more hours. It's crazy. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you were growing up, did you get to watch any sort of stand up or did you have access to, well, so you're in the nineties. I mean, that's, that was like the start of the whole cable comedy boom. Um, Did you have access to any of the American shows or comedians? Zero access. I did not see American stand-up comedy until I started comedy, which that is, is wild. That is crazy. The only stand-up I got to see was this one comedian called Kumar, yes. which was a drag show, and he, she would just do jokes and then do some kind of drag show. And this is the very person that has I know, I read me. that. That, that right, yeah. Don't tell me exactly what the person said. I, I just heard. I just saw the headlines. I was like, yeah, I'm not reading the, this the shit. Kumar. I I didn't read it either. I because I it just pissed me off. And it's like you know, here no. you are. You know, you're out. You're gay. You're you're you. We're doing drag. Like, who the fuck do you think you are? First of all, <laughs> every comedian should be supporting you. Um, um yeah. This situation is, it needs to get as much, I mean, you want to give it, of course, we don't, the audience doesn't even know what we're talking about, but Jocelyn said a joke and now is in deep 
shit, but not really because we're going to protect her. But but this right. is all about cancel culture. But yeah, that really pissed me off. So you you growing yeah, up, you 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 have every sort of characteristic of a future standup with the, you know, getting in trouble at school, being really, really bright, outspoken. And yet you never saw any standup com- comedy from the American never. perspective. <laughs> That's, yeah, zero. Did you watch any comedic TV shows? Did you laugh? Did your family laugh? <laughs> I don't think my family laughed, but I I did see Friends, which I adored. Um, that was a big one. We watched Seinfeld. Okay. So we have very clean comedy in Singapore. Like Beverly Hills 90210 was banned in oh, Singapore, God. I heard. Madonna was banned. She wasn't right. allowed. So you know, that's the kind of culture I grew up in. A lot of censorship. Right. It's just fucking ridiculous. Um, okay. I read one article. You worked six years as a corporate lawyer. Yeah, that was wrong. I read, and then years. I read another and that said three open. years as a corporate lawyer. So, oh, okay. Um, and you said that, is this true that you went to Columbia for another degree in 2012? Is that bullshit lie? That is a lie. But however, I did share with my friends on Facebook that I, I was seeing a guy who has five degrees for Columbia. Oh, my God. And- <laughs> He's an astrophysicist, such a genius. And he was inviting me to the Columbia University reunion. And I said, I didn't go to Columbia. Why would I go? He goes, just take one of my degrees. Oh, my God. <laughs> Wait, next, right? this guy had five degrees. Five degrees. And from he Columbia was an University. astrophysicist. Yeah. All right, I'm going to ask an inappropriate mm-hmm. question. Was he good and bad? He was the only guy that's managed to make me come from all wow. my entire life. Yeah, so he put that freaking astrophysicist. Yeah, he knows what he's da-da-da-da. doing. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. So that physics class. Wow, that physics class really helped him. He knows exactly what he's doing. Okay. Um, maybe one of his degrees is in biology. Oh my god, five degrees. How old was he? He was only in his thirties when I what met him. What am I him. doing with my life? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, um, you enrolled in a comedy class, is that correct? At Gotham. Yes, correct. Yeah, actually, that was my first foray. I didn't continue after that, but that was my okay. first class. So, what was the impetus to say, "I gotta, I gotta get into this stand-up situation"? It was two separate. Times the first time was after I had already left the law, I was trying to figure out what I want to do in my life, and I did this class called "She Creates Change for Women in Life Transitions," trying to figure out that calling. How old are you at this and point? The end of this, I was about twenty nine okay. at this time. Yeah, and um, the, at the end of the class, we had this thing called a calling party, where all the girls stood in a, se- a set in a semicircle, one girl in the middle, and everyone just shout out what they thought her calling was. And this one girl, Anna, she was like, Jocelyn, you're so freaking funny. I want to see you do stand-up comedy. Every time you speak in class, everybody cracks up stand-up comedy. And it was like this light bulb right. moment. I was like, oh, what a great idea. And so that's, and I went home that night and there was an email from Gotham saying free intro to stand-up comedy. I was like, this is a sign. So I went for the free intro and rolled in the class. And in my graduation show, um, I did so well that the host, oh, Karen Murphy, was Karen. like, Oh, hey. I was going to ask you if it was Karen, my friend Karen. Yeah. yeah. She loves you. Yeah, she loves you. Yeah. 
Oh, she does. Yeah. Oh my god, I love her too. Yeah, so she was my first teacher, and she was the host of the show. And she said, after I, I did my set, she goes, "Can y'all believe that was her first time?" So I did well, but Judy, I'm so Singaporean in my brain still that I was like, "Well, I took a class, of course I was right, going right, to do right. well." Like now, as a comedian, I'm like, "It's not usual to do well no. on your first time." It's stage. funny, yeah, so, but it's also, I mean, you must have seen with the other students that it's not. It doesn't, you can't learn how to be funny. You cannot learn it. You can learn how to create uh, a set or take what you know and make jokes, but you, you can't, it, you're either funny or you're not funny. Karen, and, and it was so great you had Karen because she's she was also a lawyer. A yeah. lawyer, exactly. It was perfect. Yeah. Um, but because I didn't take it seriously, I was like, yeah, you know, I took a class. Of course, I'd be funny. Um, and also, I didn't catch, like, the right. stand-up bug then. I was like, all right, you know, been there, done that. This is okay. doesn't feel like it's my calling. So I didn't continue for another, like, a few more years um, until I was in Boston now working as a consultant. A journalist from the Boston Globe invited me on a date to see Aziz mm-hmm. Ansari. This was the first time I saw stand-up comedy in its, like, Full form. Yeah, yeah. stand-up comedy. In pure form. Yeah, not Kumar. Right. <laughs> that I mean. Um, so it was um, halfway through Aziza's set, I started crying. Like oh, emotional wow. tears. Why am I crying? And then my inner voice was like, this is what I right. want to do for the rest of my right. life. I was like, are you out of your mind? I was like this high-paying six-figure consultant right. in Boston. Um, yeah, about to go to Singapore on an expatriate package and everything. So that's when it, it really started. And then I dismissed it, you know, because of my my lawyer's right. consultant brand, like the be practical. And then I saw a second stand-up comedy show at Gotham Comedy Club. John Lester is there. He's doing his set. And again, I'm crying. Right. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, why do you keep crying at a comedy show? And again, this is what I want to do. So it's that's so amazing that, that, like, that you had that emotional reaction because mm-hmm. it was probably, I mean, I'm not a psychologist, but, you know, for someone who's told you, you are not allowed to have an opinion. And if you have one, keep it to yourself. Mm. And to see these, right. I mean, Aziz, Asian, uh, John, African-American, you see these people speaking up and talking about their experiences. Yeah. I'm sure it was, I can't even imagine. And getting rewarded for it with laughter right. and love. Not getting your head cut exactly. off. <laughs> when did you give up the corporate job and go full-blown stand-up it was such a coincidence judy so aziz ansari john lesser happened and then right at the same time the day before my birthday the corporate job was like your position in singapore is no longer so it was like boom the very next day on my birthday i did my first comedy wow so yeah in boston the place of my birth blessing in disguise where did you do it where'd you do it i did it at tavern at the end of Uh the world in boston that's fucking great how did you do that time you know i did well and and here's the thing i'm actually maybe this all had the crazy journey of like having to go from new york to boston and everything now i see maybe it made sense because the boston open mic scene was very supportive i was getting laughs i was the confirmation I was a, a funny person and I come to New York and I do my first comedy open mic in New York and it was like dead right pretty dead I was like wow New York mics are so hard and the comedian I was talking to said this is the best mic we have in New York City <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this 
I might have just quit comedy had I started yeah, in yeah. New York City. So the you're a pretty supportive place to start right. in, even for just a few months. And then in New York City, I already had a, well, I, should, I, I think I should be pretty funny. We can. That's when I had the, I built enough um, confidence to just plow through right. the toughness of the New York well, scene. Well, yeah, it's funny because I remember my first set, I got huge laughs. And then I had the first set, mm. I did one at college. And then I did one in a club and I got huge laughs. It's sort of the second time you do it that the spark can fizzle. But I mean, getting that first laugh and, and feeling like I never felt anything like that before. Mm -hmm. And just knowing that that's what you're meant to do. I mean, I think that's what your emotional response was like, Oh my God, because most people in their life never figure out what they're fucking meant to do. You know? Yeah, how lucky yeah. are we, right? There's this great quote that I read because during my like life transition, trying to figure out what I want to do by Stephen Cope. Um, and he was talking about your dharma and the dharma is like the, I think it's the Sanskrit term for your calling, right? right? And he said, your dharma, if you do not follow it, it will right. kill you. But if you do follow it, it will save you. And how many times has comedy saved me from the oh, darkest yeah. times in my life? It's also right? that, I don't know if you feel, I'm sure you do, but when you're, I mean, I've been, you know, I suffer from depression and, the, and all the shit that we all have to deal with. But oh, when I walk into the yeah. cellar, it's like I'm mm -hmm. I'm at home. It's like, okay, yes, yes. like I, I can have the worst day, but then I walk in and I'm like, this is, this is where I'm meant to be. And these are the people I'm meant to be around, you know? And to have gone through this stuff, like to be in so much hot soup because of right. my craft and to then go to the comedy show and now talk about what's happening to me and getting the laughter is so healing. I'm like, See? wow, this is really what I'm meant to be. I remember when I was a, when I was a consultant in Boston, we did the mock, yeah, the, the storytelling story competition. Yeah. I, yeah, so our company actually sponsored us, like gave us free tickets to the mall because they wanted us to build our public right. speaking storytelling skills. None of the consultants ever got up to tell a story, but I did, right? Being right. the <laughs> performer inside of me that I really am. And my colleague was like, wow, it's like you're at home on right. stage. It's like you belong right. there. I feel more comfortable on stage than I do. Like, I'd rather stand on stage with the mic than sit at a fucking party talking about bullshit with people, you know? Oh, 100%. I hate I know, small talk. The worst. Okay. Thank you so much for listening to Kill Me Now with this week's guest, Jocelyn Chia, part one. Um, next week will be part two. It continues on very interesting, very fascinating, interesting. I say the word fascinating a lot, but too fucking bad. Kill Me Now is produced by Laura Vogel, edited by Colin Schmeling, and marketed and everything else done by Brittany Joe Sowards. Richmond. If you haven't purchased my book, yes, I can say that when they cover the comedians, we're all in trouble, then you're an asshole. Uh, and you can. You can or get the audiobook, which is me, and it's fantastic. Uh, yeah, I said fantastic again. Um so there's that yes I can say that the show uh, hopefully will be touring uh, next year uh, uh, where you live but if you want to come see me perform because I'm very funny I do comedy uh, you can see me at the post office cabaret well it's the post office cafe and cabaret but I'm not working in the fucking cafe part I am there. It's in Provincetown every Sunday. 
and Tuesday at 8.30 p.m. And on Thursdays at 7 p.m. That's at the Post Office Cabaret, Cafe and Cabaret, whatever the fuck. It's a great room and it has a really good sound system. And I love everyone who works there. Also, uh, I will be at um, in Montreal. I will be in Montreal at the Montreal Comedy Festival, uh, July 18th to the 28th. And I will be there for 10 days performing every night and I'm 60 years old and I'll be in a hotel for 10 days. Okay? 10 days in a hotel. So I'm going to be in a bad mood so that'll be make for a really good podcast that week. And also there's going to be a lot of great comics up there and I'm bringing my podcast equipment and we're going to record and then we're going to put it on the show. Um, all right, I have to go get ready and take a shower because I have a stand-up show this evening at the Post Office Cabaret. But I want to say thank you all for listening. I Happy Pride. I met a, a lovely person in Baltimore who th- I posted. She wrote about how uh, she came out at 12 and she used to sneak in the basement to watch my stand-up comedy and then came out at 12 and practically ruined her bat mitzvah and I love her. Okay, so there's, I had that, that's posted on my Insta. Insta, see how cool I am, even though I'm 60. So check that out. I love you all. Thank you for listening. Uh, I don't have time right now to read names, but I will, I will. Don't think I'm not thinking about you. And enjoy the rest of the Pride. Enjoy July 4th. It's coming up the weekend. (laughs) And um, that's it. I appreciate you. And as we always say, so long.